0: Well, 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 (laughs) well, after three months of not having a podcast, I thought that my first podcast coming back was going to be a very happy-go-lucky podcast, you know? Give them something light. Talk about what's been happening in your life. Talk about the future. What are you planning? The new podcasts you're planning, all that sort of thing. But I don't think this is the time. I don't think this is the time because right now we're going through a global pandemic, and as of this moment, uh, 1.3 million people have been infected by the coronavirus, COVID-19. Um, and so I decided that instead of doing something that I always do, I, I thought that maybe I'd take a step back and talk to physicians who could make sense out of everything. Um, and that's something that could be helpful to people listening. It could put some context into what's going on. And... Um, and just maybe help people cope with, with the reality of what we live in right now, because what we live in today is—it's um, yeah—it's—it's it's frightening, man. It's—it's. It's, I'm not gonna lie, it's frightening. You know, I got a wife and a kid, and I got my two parents. I got my brother, my sister. They're, you know, families too. It's so you know you got to be concerned for everybody around you, and um, and you got to be concerned for yourself as well. You know. You're a contributing member of society and um, and you got to do what you can to stop the spread of this menace. It's, it's really surreal, actually, if you think about it. Let's take a step back. Let's, let's think about this. It's really surreal. It's surreal because for the first time in our lifetime, there's we're all united in one common cause, which is this thing, right? We're all united to beat this thing, all of us. No matter what our nationality is, what our status in society is, um, what our monetary status, whatever it is. Like, it doesn't give a shit about these things. We're all united and we all want to beat this thing. And, you know, over the past few weeks also, you know, you'd think that this stuff doesn't really hit close to home. But, you know, I've learned that I've had someone in our family, one of our um, distant uh, family members who who got diagnosed I mean you know that's that's crazy that's too close to home, right and we have a friend who's um, who's got a family member who passed away from this and that's as well very close to home you you'd think of the stuff you hear only in the news that doesn't really come close to you right um, but but it's something that we need to make sense of. And I think it's something that we all need to get together as a society and help each other out to sort of beat this thing. Because, you know, as far as I know, we all want to go back out, right? Unless you're an introvert and you're like, nah, I'm good. I'm This is good. This is good for me. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So I've been at home three, four weeks now. Um, we've been working from home um, and we've been spending a lot of time from home, social distancing. So um, so it is what it is, man. Um and I think I finished Twitter, to be honest. I think every single day I get on Twitter and I read, 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 read. read and I think I finished Twitter, you know. So so thanks, Jack Dorsey and co. for providing me with uh, a lot of information, I guess. Um, there's a lot of fake news going around. You know, a lot of fake news going around. That's 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 what I think really gets me. That fucking fake news. And, and uh, the, the fake news that comes from, like, sort of the WhatsApp groups, right? Um, where it's like sort of, um, especially Arabic WhatsApp groups. So you, you get a, a video of um, Angela Merkel, for example, and she's saying something in German, but the 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 translations in Arabic, and you know the translation is bullshit, right? It's so obviously bullshit. And you see so much of these uh, floating around. So that that's another thing that really pisses me off. Um, and what's the deal with everybody going on Instagram Live? Can I understand why is it the time where everybody's going, like, like, literally all my stories are people going live. And there's like three people watching each one of these stories. Anyway, I digress. Guys, the main point here, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sort of like just, uh, <laughs> just sort of like, uh, saying whatever's on my mind. But the main point here is the series of the next few episodes of Basil Meets are going to be with physicians, um, people who know about the topics that we're going to be discussing. And um and just sort of to build some kind of context around what we're going through. So, if you're at home, stay at home, stay safe. Um, heed the advice of the authorities and try not to um, be a hero, you know. Um, you're being a hero by staying at home. Let me just give you that. Just You, you staying at home means you're a hero. Um, so... Anyway, never mind how the audio quality is, I'm recording all of these on Zoom, Um, so sometimes they're low, sometimes they're not, whatever, I'm trying here. So um, I hope you enjoy this, I hope you get something out of it, and I should be introducing our first guest. Our first guest is Dr. Hassan Masri, he's based in Saskatchewan, Canada. Um, he was gracious enough to give us an hour of his time to talk about um, these concepts that we are now learning every single day from flattening the curve to what COVID-19 is and and uh, what's next, um, how we're going to beat this thing. So um, Dr. Hassan has been on the front lines, and that's what I wanted. I wanted people who have been dealing with this thing, people on the front lines, people who are physicians, and, um, you know, I think this conversation was super helpful, super beneficial. So our first episode with Dr. Hassan, um, Basel meets, here we go. We're back. Excellent.
1: So, uh, my name is Hassan Masri, uh, or Hassan Masri. Nice. <laughs> uh, um, and uh, I'm actually uh, from a Syrian background, uh-huh. uh, and uh, grew up uh, in uh, in Saudi Arabia, and moved to Canada when uh, I was a child, and have been in Canada since then. Um, I practice uh, uh, internal. I have a I have a dual um, a board certification, Canadian and American. Uh, in both uh, two specialties in critical care, which is ICU, and in internal medicine. Um, so uh, um, the uh, interesting thing um, about that is that uh, prior to COVID, a lot of people knew what internal medicine is. They, they Even then, they, they they thought it means family doctor or general medicine, which it's not. But the interesting thing is most people really didn't know what critical care is or ICU is. And uh, even uh, even my mom, my own mom, whenever she uh, talks to other people or, or wants to mention me, she says, "My son, he's an amazing emergency department doctor."
0: Uh, <laughs> like, so, it's not it.
1: <laughs> but it's, uh, so, but now now with the topic of COVID and 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 life support and ICU, uh, I think uh, most people on this planet uh, have an idea of um, what ICU. Of course, it's still a um, you know nobody's going to the hospital even when people are sick they're not allowed to have visitors or whatever so it's a bit of a mystery place still in a lot of people's minds um, and uh, and uh, um, for me you know being involved in and in, in podcasts and social media and things like that is a brand new thing for me it's not what I know how to do or what I trained to do yeah but it was, it was a thing that essentially there's a vacuum out there, and, uh, and, and, and vacuum will always get filled. So it either gets filled
0: with people
1: who know and deal with the disease or people who don't. So vacuum needs filling. It's just the way it is in life.
0: Well, it's interesting because I'm looking at your, I mean, t- t- for the people who are watching slash listening, um, I-, I mean, I don't know you, this is the, actually literally the first time we meet um, and uh, I've uh, just been through your posts on Facebook and uh, and I'm surprised how much engagement you're getting uh, out of all the stuff that you're putting it out there. So it's it's actually quite amazing to see that uh, you are being a trusted source, which is, which is fantastic for this podcast, of course, and, and it's good to talk to you about it
1: yeah you know it, 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 you're not the only one that's surprised I'm also surprised <laughs> uh, you know I, like I said you know I used to you know I use social media I have a Facebook account I have an Instagram account and I used to think that uh, you know a very popular post and something that really resounds with a lot of people is when I get 60 likes or 50 likes or right. or some shares I think wow this really resonated with a lot of people
0: <laughs> right yeah all uh, two of them yeah and,
1: yeah all, 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 all the two people have shared it <laughs> um and and it's it's it's, 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 it's obviously um uh, just to give a context to people who are listening or watching i live in a province in canada that has million people and my message is is general but it's really targeted towards them it, it, mm. it targets the social economic geography of this province and my eight or nine youtube video, uh, facebook videos have been watched by almost a million people now so it's it's it's, it, I mean, I don't even know what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, and, so, and so I'm happy. Uh, I'm happy not because it's being watched a million times. I'm happy because uh, we know that we're dealing with a very evil uh, virus that spreads really quickly. So if somehow I manage to convince 10,000 people or 5,000 people that, that going out and mixing and whatever is a bad idea, you're talking about potentially 20,000 lives. So, um, I'm I'm really really happy to have that influence, and I encourage other people who are in my shoes to try to help me fill up that gap because, you know, people like to have different styles and like to listen to different styles and different age groups and uh, and whatnot. So uh, it's been it's been a blessing, and I'm really happy that I somehow stumbled upon this uh, this
0: this job. Yeah, I mean, you're doing fantastic there. I mean, look, you're you're based in Canada and. Uh... And obviously, every country right now is uh, on on the face of the earth, so this is like this is, this is the crazy thing about this is that almost uniformly all mankind is experiencing something together for the first time in my memory um, and and everybody' dealing with this a little bit differently so um, I think what, that's the first thing I wanted to ask you was. How has the response in where you are is in Canada? How's how's that been? Because we, I mean, a lot of people who are watching the news, obviously they also look at what other countries or how they're responding to it, and um, you know, we look at the U.S. and how that's panning out, and we're looking at Europe, and you know, that's that's like that's the epicenter after China became Europe. Uh, so, how's it happening in in uh, in Canada, and and how would you start comparing that with how other areas of the world have been responding to this? Uh, pandemic.
1: Yeah. So, so, so it's interesting. What is really, really interesting what you said, you know, when you, when we look at medical conditions and diseases, um, as physicians, uh, we, we, we know that certain conditions and certain diseases and, and certain viruses, uh, pertain to a specific area. Uh, so for example, we know that HIV AIDS, um, is, is, uh, unfortunately, uh, heavily found in, in, in poor countries, in African countries, uh, even in some very poor areas in the United States and Canada, we know that uh, certain conditions to do with obesity uh, is found in the Middle East and in North America, where uh, people have abundance of, of blessings and food and, and poor diet. Um, and, and we could go on and on and on about how every you know, condition has a prevalence and a place on this earth. Corona uh, and COVID-19 is, 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 has changed the, the, the paradigm, has changed even the conversation. It's not, a, it's not a disease or a virus that's found in rich or poor, black or white, uh, uh, heavily populated or not. I mean, you, you know, it is found obviously an exaggeration in heavily uh, populated areas, but we have areas in Canada where, uh, you know, a territory that has barely 10,000 people and it's already there. Um, and so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's very scary. In fact, I was hearing somebody talking about, you know, NASA and what NASA is planning to do in terms of its uh, uh, discovery and, and planet discovery and things like that. And they were worried that if they take, you know, uh, 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 something to discuss. You know, how can they don't want to spread it up there? So I mean, it it really is mind blowing, and it's changed the conversation of like, you know, I never thought that we would have a conversation about not infecting other planets, right? That's just a mind blowing
0: <laughs> That's uh, right. thing. That's and insane. So
1: in the, yeah. So in terms of the response, I think the response has been uniformly the same in terms of the stages, meaning. Uh, initially every country and the people of the country, and I don't want to also talk only about governments, but also the actual people. Most people are like, well, yeah, no, it's, it's bad, but it's bad over there. It's bad, it's bad there, there, there. We're not here. It's, we'll be fine. Um, and then, you know, you get the first two cases, and we are like, well, it's bad, but it really won't spread in a country like Canada, you know? And in fact, even government officials in Canada today, it was reported that on March 10th, they thought, yeah, this won't spread in Canada. And then it's followed by the next stage. So the first stage, it's this is bad over there. The next stage, it's bad. It's going to come here, but not spread. And then the third stage, which is wow, it's really spreading. We need to go above and beyond um, anything and everything, um, and and try to cover from this. Obviously, different countries have different financial. Uh, and technological uh, capabilities. I also have, you know, also the, the education among its population is important because if I speak to the population and I say, this is a virus and this is that, you know, how much I invested in my own population in terms of infrastructure, of education and learning and access and things like that, people are going to respond very uh, uh, favorably. So I imagine in a, in a city like, for example, Dubai, or a city like New York, even though the spread might happen, the people are educated, the people are trusting of their government. Um, And so when when the government in New York, the local government in New York, says stay home, people stay home. Um, And and despite the numbers that you're hearing about, that is part of the natural course of the virus, that the virus now is spreading because we started a bit too late in terms of it's fighting it. But now people are actually doing the right thing and people are staying home. I mean, I'm sure you've seen the pictures of Times Square and other places where yeah. it is empty. And if yeah. anybody been to Times Square, Times Square and the word empty, they never come in the same sentence ever. Yeah, that's um, true. And, and, that's and so, and, yeah, yeah. And so, and so and I'm sure Dubai is the same. I'm sure all these cities. So I think the response has been um, been. It's not. It's not going to be a big deal. It's going to be a big deal. Holy crap! It's really a big deal.
0: Right. Yeah. There are. There have been stages. You're right. I think I remember when at first we first started hearing about it, and um, people would liken it to the flu. You know, like oh, it's just the flu. It's like whatever. You get it. It's fine. And but what I found about this virus that's really interesting is that um, it seems like there's no like there, we learn something new about it every single day. You know, and uh, it doesn't seem like a very if we're not getting the consistent information. And the reason I say this is because I'm looking at the death rate, and um, and you know they they were saying first uh, pre-existing conditions or older age. But then also you see a lot of healthy younger people getting infected and getting you know dying from it. So what is it? And and not just that, but also you see different areas of the world getting really different death rates. You know, you see Italy and you see Spain sort of getting hit really hard. And then you see New York getting hit really hard. But then, you know, you see other areas of the world, where it's, it's fine. Like New Zealand right now is doing quite well. Like, you know, they're, they're actually talking about easing restrictions um, and letting people out. So what is it? Why, why has this virus been such a difficult thing to understand and predict in the medical community?
1: Yeah. I mean, the, 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 this is probably one of the first times in history of medicine where we deal with the disease and learn about it as it happens. That's mm-hmm. not natural of diseases. Usually we hear about the disease and we have a year or two because it's a really slow spread. Um, and we do proper studies where we have 50,000, 100,000 multi-centers studies where we study how the disease behaved in China and, and Emirates and, and Syria and, and, and China and Africa and Europe. Um, and we, you know, randomize patients to this group and to this group by age group by this. So we do really tremendous uh, work in terms of the randomization and the level of, of research. And so then when we actually release our papers and release research papers and release statements they are really well-trusted papers. Meaning if we say that it does not affect young people, we mean it because we've seen it in a, in a very proper way of studying this disease. Mm. The difference here is we are like, for example, I'll just give you a a, a few examples. Donald Trump comes out and says, Hey, this drug, I have a really good feeling about it. First of all, that's no way to, uh, to to to, to advertise for a drug. We don't, you know, imagine me saying to someone, take this drug. I have a good feeling about it. You know, it, <laughs> it, it doesn't work like that in medicine. But the thing is, where did, he, where did he come up with that? He came up with that from a study in France on 20 patients. And the, and the 20 patients wasn't even patients in, in, in a hospital. It was their blood work in a pituitary, da, da, like a, uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the lab. It was a lab study on 20 people. And so some of the mixing of messages that you keep hearing is related to the poor uh, research that's being done. Not because people mean what, uh, mean to do poor research. It's just because good research takes time, takes massive numbers, and you have to do it in different countries and different centers and to, to, to get a uniform uh, and average picture. So that's one thing. The other thing is You know, Europe, for example, uh, it's levels when it comes to smoking. If you look at the whole world, Mm. including the Middle East, uh, um, Europe has a skyrocketing number of smokers. I mean, in Canada, in the U.S. uh, and in the Middle East, smoking is actually going down. So cigarette smoking is actually going down in all these countries. In Europe... Uh, smoking is quite prevalent, and anyone who visits Spain or France or Italy, everyone's smoking. Men are smoking, women are smoking, everyone's smoking. And they they continue to be one of the few places in the world where you could smoke inside the restaurant and in public and everywhere else. Mm. And we know that this virus hits really hard, those who are smokers, really, really hard, and even when they're young. So this also contributes to... You know the the difference in different uh countries and different cities why they're getting hit really differently and then one of the other factors is just population density i mean a city like new york um i remember reading about this before everyone was like a believer in this um and and one of the epidemiologists was talking about you know if you lived in manhattan and you jumped on the metro uh, or the subway and then you were in the metro or the subway for uh three stops then got off from the subway went to your job worked interacted with people at work in manhattan went back on the subway and went to your house and went nowhere else and he estimates that 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 person could actually infect ten thousand people oh so you know in new york in a city like new york uh, you could see uh, how it's really easy to spread something like that. Let's take a small town somewhere in the Middle East or in Canada or North America where there's only 800 people in the town or 2,000 people, and they all live in big houses away from each other, et etc. et cetera. And then, you know, you could see that even if the disease was to spread, A, it's really hard to spread because the people are really far from each other and they have a lot of space between each other, um, and what are the odds that 800 people from the same town are going to interact somehow together? There's no, nothing, there's no reason for them to interact all at the same time. Mm. Um, and so there's all these different patterns that are mostly scientific of why we're seeing a, a, a difference in, in this. But the reality is this disease is humbling a lot of us. It's humbling countries, right? I mean, you have know, the you, United States who reached literally other planets and, 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 and whatnot. And and Look at it Uh, You have countries that are very wealthy. It's humbling them, but it's also humbling doctors scientists. I mean uh, We are having to say the word, you know, we honestly don't know I mean a lot of the questions I that I start my answer with is I always say, you know, actually we really don't know and um, And that's not generally what I start my sentence with most of the time when we talk about every other disease so the reality is that we all have to understand that it's humbling countries it's humbling nations it's humbling to to everyone but it's also humbling scientists and researchers and, and medicine folks is that the reality is we don't know a lot about this still yeah
0: and also i mean what, what's what seems uh what's interesting about that what you're saying about not knowing is also you look at the models that are coming out you know and these models keep changing every single day you know i think the u.s had first estimated 100 to 250,000 deaths and then they re-estimated the model down to 80,000 deaths and then they put it back down to 60,000 deaths um, Which is really I mean, it's a crazy number of course. It's still really, yeah. late, you know, for the yeah. um, but uh, But it's it's really interesting how these you know as the more we learn the more we we sort of like start estimating a different or different projections um so what do you think is how do you think this is going to be playing out you know i mean uh, right we're all still at home like the most of the planet is still holed up in at home uh, we're we're not going to schools we're not going to our jobs the economy has stopped um and we're all just sort of waiting this thing out waiting i i, I my brain doesn't understand waiting this thing out right like okay, we wait it out, it's, we, we come out, one person gets infected, and then we're back to square one, right? So, I mean, that's what I don't really understand um, right now. What's the process? Why are we going through this process? And how is yeah. it going to play out in the future?
1: Yeah. So there's a there's few, there's few things here that are really important to comment on. So the, the first issue is the modeling is changing quite a bit, and it's changing for multiple reasons, and it can change positively and negatively also in a very quick fashion Mm. so it's changing because we're learning about the virus quite a bit more it's also changing because as we flatten the curve collectively we get more time to be more prepared and so if we have more time to be prepared then instead of having 100,000 deaths we now had eight or ten weeks to Uh, Get protective equipment and to buy ventilators and whatnot. And so now those 40,000 people we could actually save So they go from the category of death to the category of infected and recovered Mm. So that's one factor how we could change it positively But I'll give you an example that I'm very worried about this weekend here in North America Um, And I don't know how popular this is in the Middle East so uh, you know, excuse my ignorance, but uh, <laughs> I'm uh, myself. But, but here in the weekend, here this weekend, it's Easter weekend in North America, mm. and Easter weekend is traditionally a time of people getting together and big families being together. It's like Eid, essentially, right? Um, and and if the people in North America decide to loosen up the way that they're adhering to the rules and to the regulations, we potentially in about five days from now or 10 days from now or whatever it is, we might see the, 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 the modeling change significantly in the other direction. Mm. That holds true for Ramadan, that holds true for any other event. I'll give you a simple example. Here in Saskatchewan, in the province that I'm in, uh, bunch of physicians, believe it or not, bunch of physicians, which is astonishing to me that the people who should know the best uh, have done this, they decided to go and play curling curling is a, is a sport that's popular in north america it's you play on a on a hockey rink kind of thing and it's and uh, and it's a group of people on each team and and then one person infected twenty two people. And for a oh. while, that was the biggest outbreak that we ever had in the province. Mm. And so, and we actually we were like almost at a speed faster than any province just because of those two twenty people. And so, and so the individual responsibility. I mean, I, I don't know if if your audience are familiar with uh, patient number thirty one. Patient number thirty one is a really famous patient in in South Korea. Obviously, we can't give the names because everything is protected. But it's believed, and believed meaning in v- using scientific methods, that patient number 31 infected 81% of the original COVID wow. population in South Korea. Whoa. Um, they went to a, they, in, in North America and some uh, Asian countries, they have mega churches. Mega churches is a place where you sit, it's like a concert. Thousands of people are sitting listening to that. And this patient, she went to to church while febrile and sick and infected what was believed at that point 81% of South Korea from that one individual. Whoa. And so and so the model could change this way positively the more we flatten it, but we could also really flatten it the other way, individually, or sorry spike it and peak it the other way uh, individually. Now, as to waiting it out, it's a weird concept. It's a very weird concept because, you know, we are the, we are the generation of, del- you know, deliver your nachos to your house and, uh, and you could track, you know, your burger. It's making a right turn. Your burger made a left turn. Your burger is at your door. You pick up your burger. You know, that's the, the generation we have. We literally could track burger and fries coming to your mouth. And then, so, so waiting it out is like, okay, well, can I look at a GPS map somewhere? I want to <laughs> see where we are in this. And, and there isn't one. So yeah. people are frustrated by this. But the reality is, let's take New York, Dubai, Toronto, whatever city you, you want. It, it's not like we're all sitting at home. I mean, uh, most of the people are sitting at home, but there's a lot of people that are still going out because they have to. I mean, the city has to still run. grocery store or the hospital or the bank or the police station or whatever so there's still going to be a limited and that's why you hear every day in the news people are saying people are keep asking well if we're staying at home who are these 200 people that keep getting it every day well there's still going to be some spread among these populations yeah so so when it comes to so when it comes to this waiting it out um, we are going to depend on a few factors, and it's really not straightforward, so a few disclosures. First of all, it's not very straightforward. Second of all, remember what I said about when we say we don't know and you know we're learning about the disease, it doesn't mean we're clueless. I mean, th- there is a range between we're clueless and we are 100% sure, and if we're 90% sure or the, it's the best evidence out there, we're going to use it. So, There are a few factors. So there's factor of we're learning about the disease. There is the factor of um, we have the potential to maybe come up with a vaccine. Usually vaccines take a year or two or three. Uh, But uh, can you could imagine when the whole world is uniting on one virus that things might happen faster. There's a question about... um, whether summertime and and elevated temperatures are going to make a difference or not um and then there is a question about if the people who keep interacting for essential reasons if they develop the immunity and then we slowly start to get people out based on their risk so older people sick people people with medications etc we keep them home and we slowly bring people out um And we test people. Like right now, we're testing people whether they have. This is a really important point that people sometimes confuse. Right now, we're testing people to see if they have it or if they don't have it. But we also have the ability to test people to see whether they are immune from it or not immune from it. So, for example, many, many people felt sick and then gotten better and they never got tested. And there's a very good chance that they actually had corona. Mm. Very good chance. We, so now the question is, if we somehow offer a way to test all of our population and see if they actually had it and have immunity from it. Because remember, when it comes to corona, 15% of people will have it, get over it, and not have a single symptom. Zero. 15%, an additional 15%, will have the symptoms for less than 24 hours, and they're very mild symptoms. Wow. So you're talking about a 30% of the population could have had it and never had a clue. And so there's few factors, the factor of testing, and not testing to see whether you have it or not, but countries, and I know this is gonna happen in North America countries are working on testing you and i know for sure the middle east will will do the same because this is a universal worldwide issue and all the all the whole world has to have the same approach is to test whether you've you're immune from it and so this way we may not have to wait until the vaccine is out but maybe the people who are immune the people who are healthy the people the people the people could start to slowly come out that's probably what's going to happen in addition to the fact that We hope that the summer temperatures may play a role in decreasing, not killing it, but in decreasing the transmission. Plus, people are now uh, well-educated on the importance of social distancing. So until we really get on top of it, we may have to rely on getting people who are immune out, getting people who are healthy out, keeping people who are vulnerable in still, and the people who are out continue to Practice social distancing that they're really good at, right? I mean, honestly, when we started doing this, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm Arabic, and I know best that you could relate to this. I mean, we're all about the hugs and the kisses and the yeah. handshakes. I mean, I mean, that's that's what we do. I mean, we we always fight. Is it three kisses? Is it one to the right, one to the left, and then one to the right, or is it one right, two left? Right. I mean. You know, we're, we're very warm people. And, <laughs> right. and, 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 and people in Spain and Italy are very warm people. So people have learned now the importance of social distancing. And, and until this is completely resolved, there is going to be some creativity in how to ease up the restrictions. Uh, plus, in addition to that, uh, we as nations would have built so many more ICUs and hospitals and ventilators that even when people get sick, we will be able to treat them. The problem is not the virus itself, although that's a problem for sure, because it's definitely not like the flu. It kills way more people than the flu. But it also is a problem in the sense that we don't have enough beds and ventilators and whatnot to deal with it.
0: So, I mean, if we start, you know, you're, you're mentioning that about 30% estimated um, have, may have gotten it and not had a clue that they had it. In fact, I think I read something, it was Iceland or I'm not sure which country it was that tested their entire population. And out of everybody who had coronavirus, 50% didn't have any symptoms and had no idea they had it. So is is it a possibility that, you know, we're looking today, we're looking at 1.3 million infections worldwide. So is it possible that we have actually more than that like millions more than that already have the virus and and if that's the case then does that make the virus less threatening you know uh, which means like oh we misunderstood this it's actually the death rate is so much smaller and so the icu rate is so much smaller i mean in my understanding is this the correct way
1: it, i i could tell you for sure that the number of people who have coronavirus is Extremely higher than 1.3 million. Extremely hmm. higher. Hmm. I mean, it's not. It, it, it probably um, a, a close to 50 million or 100 million people who already have coronavirus. Whoa. Easily. Whoa. Easily. Um, now, the only reason the only reason we say 1.3 is because the 1.3 are the people that we've actually tested. Right. So it. So so. Let me put it this way: the number of people. Uh, who, who have it has nothing to do with the number of people that we say he have it because I, I just don't have any evidence that you have it. Right. I just don't know that you have it. So I have to say you, you know, that that's all I know. And so in a way, uh, you know, that's a positive thing and a bad thing because, yes, you're right. Actually, the mortality rate is a lot lower because the number of people who truly have it is way higher. That's mm. a good thing. That's how the, that's a positive spin. The negative spin on this is that because that means it's so much higher, we, that means it's really fast spreading. And that means places, for example, like uh, nursing homes or retirement homes or things like that that have a lot of people, that's really worry, worrying because that means if it gets to them, like, for example, in Toronto, there is a retirement home that has you know the older folks, and it spread to that, and people are dying every single day. Wow. Three, four, five, three, four, five. and so it's good mean, meaning that actually mortality rate is probably a lot lower the icu admission is probably a lot lower but it also is is threatening in the sense that that means it's spreading really really fast you're right i don't think it's iceland because i don't think they would have had the ability to test all their people just yet but i i certainly have read similar reports that um, when nations or cities or 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 regions have started mass testing uh, of the people who actually have had it, meaning have had have, have immunity now uh, and then they look at their existing numbers of people who they thought had it, the numbers were not matching. the numbers of people who tested that they've had it is way more than the number of people who who they actually tested for at the time and found that they actually had the virus. So I think this is really promising. And we're getting into, I mean, science and technology, when they pair together, for goodness, is an amazing thing. I mean, we're starting to hear about reports of a two-minute test and a five-minute test, you know, I mean, uh, drive-through tests. Um, So I I think our generation is, is genius. And just like we were able to track uh, fries and burger. Um, I think we very quickly will have, you know, in your neighborhood, you'll get in your car, swap, 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 pull up to the second window, and the screen says positive, immunity, okay. And then you, you know, you have something on your iPhone or whatever, or it says, no, no immunity, go home, stay home, please, repeat test in 10 days. Some, you know, we're going to see creativity at its finest. Right. Uh, we usually have creativity because we want to be more convenient and luxurious and exciting. L- imagine when creativity has to be because we want to live. Like, we just right. want to stay alive.
0: That's crazy. So, I mean,
1: creativity is going to be... You're going to see things you never imagine I- is possible.
0: So, I have a couple of questions. Um, I, I, I'm looking at the time here. I know what we... We're kind of going over here for you. I, it's just because you're the doctor. I mean, I'm I'm just chilling in my house. So I'm not, I got nothing. <laughs> but uh, no but a couple of things. So one is, I was reading today actually in Bloomberg that um, some people who were positive, recovered, um, are starting to test uh, positive again. And, um, you know, I mean, it's a very small study. It was, I think, a study on 50 people. So I don't know how accurate that is, but... I don't know if this is media sensationalism or there's some truth to it. Do, do, you, uh, do you know anything about it?
1: <laughs> yeah. So so that, that's a really, really good point. And that's becoming now the most common question that I get asked. So I'm going to tell you um, uh, uh, two, two points when it comes to this answer. So the first thing is, let's forget about COVID for a minute, even though it's really hard to forget about COVID for even a minute. But let's think of something like hepatitis B, okay? Mm-hmm. So hepatitis B, you go ahead and you give someone a vaccination for hepatitis B and they will develop immunity for life, okay? So most people, once you give them that vaccine, they, the body recognizes the vaccine and says, oh, this is, this is something I need to develop an immunity towards and it develops immunity. Very small percentage of people, I mean, I'm talking tiny, tiny percentage of people the body will make some immunity towards the hepatitis, but it's not a lifelong one. For some reason, a small percentage of people could develop immunity for two to three years, and then they have to be revaccinated. I'm actually one of them. Mm-hmm. Being in the hospital, I have to protect myself from hepatitis B. So every two to three years, my body says, okay, I've made enough. you got to get the vaccine again, which is very annoying. But most of the population, like somewhere in the, in the order of 99.9, and nine percent is not like me, and could make the it could make immunity for life. Mm-hmm. Now let's go back to COVID. Most people will develop immunity, and will they'll develop immunity to that specific virus, assuming the virus does not mutate and become a different guy for life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now the the re, the news reports that actually been reported about two people in in, 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 in I think in Korea and somebody in Peru and whatnot. Actually, it's not even that. It's not, it's not that they didn't make immunity. They are using different testing that the conclusion out of that testing actually cannot be made accurately. Mm-hmm. So those media reports for now are inaccurate for us as scientists and, and, and physicians. And we do not know of an actual confirmed case yet where people got it. Proper testing was done and immunity was not obtained Mm. having said that given the example that i gave you about hepatitis it's not unfathomable and it's not unimaginable that a small small percentage of people will get it and will not have the immunity like the rest of us Mm. but that percentage of people is so small that from an epidemiological point of view it's not significant meaning Even if they didn't, and they gone out, and they got the virus, again, their percentage is so small. We would be able to deal with it in any nation.
0: So uh, I'm I'm looking at uh, obviously uh, you were saying how a lot of people became so aware and educated about uh, not just staying at home and social distancing, but also about the viruses and about. Um, you know, just medicine in general, you know, everybody's just reading about this because, you know, it's affecting everyone. So I'm one of those people. And uh, I started reading about, you know, just the history of what happened in history that was similar to this. And the closest thing I could find that was obviously the Spanish flu that happened in the early 1900s. Yes, absolutely. And, um, and, you know, in the beginning, when people were talking about liking this to the Spanish flu, I mean, I remember listening to a podcast on the New York Times, and they were talking about this being like the Spanish flu. I was like, oh, it's not going to be like the Spanish flu. This is ridiculous. It's just the media. But here we are today in something a very similar situation. Um, two things I want to I wanna bring out here. One is there was a resurgence uh, that came back. Like It went away in the summer, and it came back in the fall. Um, and a ton of people died. And the second is, uh, it just stopped on its own. It just, there was no, there was nothing. It just like sort of like one day, it was like rapid decrease in, uh, in patients and, and that was that. So do you see and compare this, compare what the Spanish flu was to COVID today? And what are the different factors between that and this that could make sense to us?
1: Yeah. So, so let, let, me, let, me, uh, let me give you some bad news Great. Um, <laughs> in, in the shape of good news. It okay, didn't good. go away. I mean, we still have influenza. It, it, influenza A, the virus influenza A is what killed everyone back in the day.
0: Oh, no way. I didn't know that. Okay.
1: So, so we still have the virus. And that's what people say, you know, when, when people were making the argument, it's just a flu. And we all, most of us have uh, developed immunity from it. Don't worry about it. It's actually still here. So it didn't go away, but it's not as deadly as, as it did before. Probably what happened in 1918, and you have to remember that in 1918, there wasn't a lot of documented uh, science to the extreme that we have today. But for example, just a, as a, as, a, as, a, as an interesting thought here, in Canada, the Ministry of Federal Health was...
0: Uh, uh, created
1: in 1919 wow because of the Spanish flu
0: no way wow. so the, okay. concept,
1: the concept of ministry of health in most countries came about because of 1918 before that you know everybody did their thing and you know you went to your barber or to whoever you trusted for health ad- advice and it was cool You know, and so, uh, and so, and so, and so ministry of health actually as a concept in Canada was because of the Spanish flu and probably if I was to be an educated guessing man, I would say the reason why it quote unquote, it went away is because it infected probably everyone
0: Mm. or
1: mostly everyone. And, and it's estimated that hundred million people died from the Spanish flu. So if you think of our current mortality rate of 0.01 or whatever number you look at, that means it would have infected 5 5 billion, 4 billion. I mean, if you look at the mortality rate. So really, it went away because it infected most of the world. And and, and at the time, towards the end, it lasted about two years. As you mentioned, there was a, a very hard year. And then there was a second peak in the second year. Probably, what happened is that people really, really stayed home towards the end of that eight months because the concept of staying home when something is spreading is old, I mean, we have the plague, we have many pandemics that the people of nineteen eighteen were like, "Well, this is new, but I think the people of eighteen fifty were doing this, you know what i mean it's the same we right. all like look back and like, you know those folks you know what were they doing back then right right yeah and so and so people stayed home, and then probably what happened when they came out. And start to mix again, uh, trouble surfaced again. But it wasn't as bad in November as a number of deaths, because most people, I think, at the time have developed immunity. Mm-hmm. The problem in nineteen eighteen and nineteen nineteen is that we had the First World War going, and there was a huge amount of young people going from, you know, country to country, just spreading that virus in a magnificent way. Yeah. In fact, if you look at Canada, for example, and I apologize for bringing Canada all the time because that's that might, the yeah. one that I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 if you look at what cities were hit hardest in, in 2020 versus 1918, and if you look at ev- actually, if you look at every other country, it's the same concept. It's the con- it's the city that has the most amount of international travel. Right. So in 1918 people traveled by ships and boats. So the cities that were affected in 1918 in Canada were like Halifax, Montreal, and Vancouver. Those are the cities that had ships and boats. Right. And cities that didn't have ships were protected to a larger extent. Right. Same thing, New York, London, any city that had a, a dock or, or a place where ships could hang got destroyed with the Spanish with the Spanish wow. flu. Yeah. And in our times here, if you look at New York, Toronto, London, Madrid, Milan, uh, San Francisco, uh, 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 they're all cities that are that are that have international airports. I mean here we have in Canada we have a case where someone lives in a really tiny, tiny, tiny town all the way up north in the middle of nowhere. And he tested positive. And it's like, well, how did this person test positive? It's crazy. Like, how did the virus make it all the way up there when their cars can't make it up there? Right. <laughs> it turns out that individual um, interacted with a healthcare provider who works there part-time, and this individual was from Nigeria. But, but Nigeria never had the virus yet, so where the heck did this person get it from? It makes no sense. Turns out this person had an eight-hour transit in Frankfurt Airport. Oh, wow. So you're in Nigeria. You're fine. You stop for eight hours in Frankfurt, and you take it all the way to the middle of nowhere, Canada, up north. Right? That's
0: crazy. And
1: and that's how this virus is crazy. That's why self-isolation and staying home is important, because you're fine. I am fine. We share the same door in uh, in Paris' Charles de Gaulle Airport. I open the door, you open the door after me, you touch your face because it's itching, and it's done. And, that, and that's why this virus is crazy. But I think the concept of staying home is actually working. I mean, you look at many, many countries, and especially the Middle East, I'm actually really proud of the Middle East, uh, especially the Gulf area. Man, they're doing really good, really good, because the, the curve is really flattening. Mm. Um, and because people are, are, are responding and staying home. It's right. working, and that's why I'm saying to people, you know, a lot of my friends, even physicians, are like, "Ah, oh, like, let's try this thing." I'm like, "Okay, we have no evidence that it's working. I'm not going to start testing chemicals on patients. You know what's working, and we know it's working. Social distancing. It's actually right. working. Right. So why would I go gamble on chemicals that have not been proven yet when I have a very? I'm not saying it's easy to do because it's crumbling the economy, it's making people lose their jobs. So it's not an easy thing to do. Mm. But it's a thing that's actually working.
0: How, how do we, uh, you know, how do we compare this to H1N1 that happened uh, in 2009, that swine flu, and that yeah. like, that took over the world, right? I mean, 150, 170 million people got infected, or something like that, or maybe it was yeah. even more. So, you know, in the beginning, I was like, well, if if we had H1N1 in our lifetime and it wasn't, I, I don't remember us being that worried about the swine flu. How do you compare that to swine flu?
1: Yeah. So, so, so if, you think of, if you think of two things, Ebola and the swine flu and mm. SARS, right, right. right? Those are the three big scary things that you and I had to hear about and deal with. Right. Um, and the issue with those three is that the infectivity rate, you, you might have heard the term R0 or R0. Uh, and that I'm term is sure a medical is. term. It's called mm-hmm. R0 or R0. It's pronounced R0. It's the infectivity rate of a virus. The infectivity rate, meaning how many people can one person infect. I right. And we think that for influenza, r naught is less than one or one. So I could only infect one person. And then one person can infect only one person. Mm. We, the, the R0 for uh, for, 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 for COVID is about 4, 4.2. Mm. So four, I could infect 4, 4 could infect 16, 16 could infect 120, whatever. Suddenly, boy, oh boy, you have thousands of people. So that's the first difference, is that the swine, Ebola, influenza, and SARS are very different in their R0 or R0. So the gotcha. infectivity rate is hugely different. That's number mm. one. Number two, which is even more significant in my mind as a physician, is that all these three viruses, when you got them, you were so sick. You were either so sick that you need to go to the hospital, or you were so sick, you knew you were sick. You washed your hands, you stayed home, and called your boss at work, and you said, hey, you know what, I'm feeling terrible. I don't even know if I could, like, stay at home, I think I might have to call an ambulance. Mm. So you did not go and enjoy a deputy at the wedding, and you did not go (laughs) and hang out with a bunch of friends because you're feeling just fine, and you did not go and celebrate a big birthday party, and you did not go to the mosque or the church to attend a religious ceremony because you are feeling terrible. Right. And and that's a huge difference where you have a virus where 15% of people don't even know they have it. 15% of people will think they think they're a little off, but they're like, Oh, you know, they feel off in the morning. And then by like 2 PM, they're like, Oh, I guess I was just, I didn't sleep right. The AC was too much in my face. You know, maybe that's what was going on. Maybe it's allergies, right? It's gone. So you have 20, 30% of people who may not even know they have it or they think something's off. So the potential to spread is massive. There's no comparison. You know, when you had the Ebola, I mean, you had diarrhea and you were so sick, No one wanted to be around you, and you did not want to be around anyone. So when you put those two things together, Mm. the R-naught of four, and the fact that you have no idea that you could infect four, and the four could infect the 16, and the 16 could infect the 128, you are in trouble.
0: Mm. That's
1: why this one is extremely different.
0: Interesting, interesting. So it's really the infectious rate, that's that's what's... uh... That's what's really dangerous about COVID nineteen. Really, I mean, if you boil it down to what it is, it's just infectious rate is is insanely high.
1: It, and and the fact that you don't know that you have it, hmm.
0: right?
1: I mean, it's it's, right. it's the worst combo. You're giving it to everyone, and because wow. you don't know, and you could give it to everyone in abundance.
0: Wow, wow, that's it's crazy. It's and it's scary at the same time because we've never faced something like this before, you know? And that's something that's uh, really, really gets me to think about it more often than anything else is the fact that everyone, well, everyone, but a lot of people experience it differently, you know? Um, I mean, just a couple of days ago, we learned uh, of uh, a friend of ours, de- father who passed away from it. And uh, and it's just insane because you never think how close it is to it home. Um and I have a cousin who got infected, but he was very mild symptoms. You know, he sort of just went away for two weeks, came out, he's, he's fine. So it's just the, the the degree of how it hits different people is quite crazy and unpredictable.
1: Yeah. And and, and and I think that what what is unfortunate about this virus is a lot of us feel that... Like, I'll give you an example. I'm part of... Uh, as most of us are part of all these WhatsApp groups and uh, and now WhatsApp and Zoom and Skype and whatnot is even being used more and more. But we have made a WhatsApp group to the ICU physicians in, in a certain part of Canada. We all have a group where we could share with each other what's happening, what do you need, what's your learning, what's whatever. And the interesting thing is, you know, because we're doctors and we're doing our best and we think we know the most about this, we also think like, you know, we're not, we're fine. We're, we're not going to get it. Like we're good. And in the last few days, what has been really shocking to me and really touched me is that I'm starting to see messages like, uh oh, man, sorry for your loss. Uh, you know, so someone lost a relative in the group and then we, you know, we start to see like, oh man, I, you know, I've been told by authorities that I need to stay home because now I'm infected. Wow. Right. So you're right. It's not really sparing anyone. I mean, I we all know of uh, of I can't remember his first name, but Como, the uh, the the CNN uh, uh, yeah. newscast, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, Chris Como. and Chris Como and Chris Como is the CNN reporter or CNN uh, uh, um, guy, and his brother is the governor. Right. And, uh, and the governor of New York, and and you know, the, the Chris Cuomo was sitting in his his basement. He visibly looks unwell. You can tell, as a physician, I could tell that he has a fever and that he's sweaty and hot. Um, and you know, his brother is the governor, so he's really not sparing anyone. And the degree of symptoms is is widely different based on obesity, history of smoking, other history of medical problems, this, that. So uh, you know, COVID. It, Comes, what Whenever COVID is mentioned, the word humblen- humbling is comes to my mind. It's really, really humbling in every possible way.
0: Well, look, I, I mean, like I said, I don't want to take too much of your time, but I have one final question, and you mentioned it, actually, uh, vaccine. What are we looking at in terms of vaccine? I don't, there's a bunch of trials around the world happening, Germany, U.S., I think it was Canada, there was, was a bunch of countries that are testing vaccines. What do you see the timeline for a vaccine? Because to me, that's really the only, the only real solution, You know, is everybody getting a vaccine.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's the only solution, but it's a very profound solution, right? Because right. vaccines really, really solve a problem. I mean, if you look at measles, that was killing everyone. In fact, the last pandemic before the 1918 was the measles. I mean, it, it killed everyone. And it had an R-naught. Measles had an R-naught of 18. Wow. So not even four, eighteen. It was deadly. I mean Whoa. it 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 was deadly deadly and, and now we have a vaccine for it and you're not hearing on the news that people are dying from measles because we're all getting vaccinated despite the fact that some people uh try to tell you that vaccination is not good for you. They don't understand history and they don't understand Are not. R not of eighteen, you could wipe a country, an entire country out in a month with an R of eighteen. Wow. Um and so and so the vac- vaccines are actually tremendous. And the problem is when people talk out of their, you know, out of no knowledge, oh, vaccines are bad and, you know, this, that, it's linked to this, it's linked to that. They haven't, when they, they don't actually know the science of, of, okay, well, what happened we did not have a vaccine? Look what's happening right now. What's happening to us with COVID without a vaccine? Can you imagine if we had a vaccine? All of us go to our family doctor tomorrow morning, get a vaccination. All right, guys, let's go back to work. I mean, vaccination is huge. I think, realistically speaking, we're looking at a year to two. Uh, that's gen- generally speaking. Actually, vaccines take longer than that to develop. But like I said to you, you know, if I wanted to clean my house by myself, it may take me a few hours. But if the entire neighborhood and every single person I ever known wants to help clean my house, it may take a lot less to clean my house. Vaccination seems. <laughs> I mean, every organization in the world is interested in it every government every every everything i mean who's not interested in vaccinations of 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 covid and so it might speed it up a little bit but at the same time you cannot speed these things excessively to the point where you put people at danger right right because the the last thing we want to do is 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 uh put people at further danger where the virus can mutate or we could make people sicker or cause lifelong problems or we, we have to do our diligence where the, the cure cannot be worse than the problem. Right. Um, and so I think we're looking at a year to two, but it would not surprise me if it took eight months or 10 months or something like that, just given how uh, crazy the world is looking for solutions.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of money on the table for that as well, right? Any pharmaceutical company that gets on that, that's, that's a lot of cash.
1: I mean, it's not only the pharmaceutical. If you think about it, like the stock markets, uh, and I'm not a stock market guy, but from what I understand, it lost $300 trillion in value. Uh, Every day, you know, United Arab Emirates or Saudi Arabia or Russia or Canada or Europe or any country is not working and people are not working. You're talking about trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars that's being lost. Absolutely. It's crazy. And then there's also a human life element to this. I mean, we're all talking about people dying from COVID, but what about all the other people that really need to go to their doctor and really need to go to their hospital and they can't go, or they're really staying at home or not really getting their cancer treated or not going for surgeries because they don't have access or people are telling them to stay home or whatever. There's going to be a huge human cost to all of this in the background, not related directly to COVID, but indirectly. So, Mm. Not only the pharmaceutical price, but the economical price, the life price. Uh, So certainly I can imagine that there's a single nation organization in the world is not interested in vaccinations. And the thing about COVID is it's uniting people in ways that we never imagined. Think about this. It's It's not one of those things where... Uh, let, let's just make a scenario up where nation A comes up with the vaccine and says, ha, 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 I got the vaccine. I'm not giving it to anyone else. It won't work because if you don't give it to everyone else and I am from nation B and I decide to visit nation A, I'll kill everyone there too. <laughs> and so and so it's one of those situations where not only if you come up with it, you're going to give it to your people, but you are very much interested in everyone else getting it because. Think about it. If there's 20 people and 10 are self-isolating and 10 are not, the problem is not solved. Everybody's gonna get it. Right. So it's
0: all or none. Also, it, it's, that doesn't stop. That doesn't solve the solution of the world economy, right? Everybody needs to be immune in order for airlines to come back Correct. into business, in order to for to come back into business. You know, the NFL, the NBA, the, you know, all, that without all of it.
1: All of it. And that's why I think it's hilarious when people talk. I mean, and that's why importance of science and, and evidence and research is important. People say, Oh, you know, you know, there's this like latest spread of hoax. Oh, China made it to, to, to take over the world. Okay. Well, do you know who's not buying anything right now from China? All the of us. <laughs> right. The whole world. Right. So so their economy is actually under under a huge blow because I'm not buying anything that's made in China. I'm not going to the store to buy anything in China. No one is buying anything that's made in China. So, you know, you don't sell, you don't sell stuff to yourself and grow, right? Like, I, don't, I can't here open a business in my house and sell everything to myself and say, wow, the economy is booming. Right. You're yeah. selling it to yourself. Right. <laughs> so, 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 so this is, this is a, a scenario where I think the world is united in a, in a, not because they want to, let me be very clear. A lot of leaders do not want to unite, but they have no choice. They will unite, and they will unite,
0: and they have no choice. <laughs> That's absolutely right. Well, Dr. Hassan, I really appreciate your time. Uh, that was, this was really, really helpful. Um, I, I've learned a lot from you. This is, this is fantastic. And I think there's a really cool way that you're delivering the message in a very understandable way, which is really cool. So, thank you so much for I taking. It. I think way more th- way more time than I told you. Uh, we're, we're Any an time. Hour, we're half an hour thank over what so I said. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, it, you know, I'm I'm gonna post this up and I'll link back to you. So, um, and if if there's anything else that you'd like us to know, just drop it down. I'll put it in the show notes. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll pass. Hopefully this will pass, and and we'll be. It, it, it will pass it will pass inshallah there you
1: go inshallah all
0: right thank you so much i really appreciate it thank
1: you thank you very much that's it i will Bye bye Thanks.